You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. A kiss, as defined by Dan Webster, is something pleasing, a caress, a gentle touch. But there's another kiss that isn't in Webster's. Hey world, we're kids! Some critics say they don't make music, they just make noise. Yeah, kiss! Kiss implies the extreme in the theatrics on stage, utilizing fire and smoke and bizarre costumes and the ever-consistent, constant concealment of their true identities. Speaking of which, Kiss is going to have its own comic book soon. Take Kiss with you. It's fun. Show your friends and be the first. Now. And welcome once again to No Time to Turn, a Kiss Nerd podcast. Nerds. Kiss nerds. So, and uh, this is really going to be kind of a special multi-part I don't know if this is one episode or four episodes. It's going to be four episodes. Four episodes back Uh back and back. And we are going to release these all simultaneously on the same day in honor of and in homage to the four Kiss solo albums, which is what we're going to uh, be tracking out here. Because we are just as crazy as they are. Yeah. So if you're listening to this episode first, congratulations. You've done it right. Yeah. This is this is uh, episode A or one, mm-hmm. part a. one. A. I like A. Okay. We were, we're discussing that. A, B, C, D. So. Mm-hmm. And that's not ranking the albums either. That That's old vinyl right. shit. Right. We're, right. We're, we're, we're really doing the, and we're going to do these alphabetically. We figured probably be the best plan of attack so uh and each one of these episodes are going to be kind of for lack of a better term a mini episode rather Mm -hmm. than each long episode so maybe if you have the inclination you can listen to all four uh in a in a row but if you don't that's cool too uh we're going to uh start with the uh little bit of background on the solo albums how they kind of came to be because there's an official narrative that says that they came upon the idea after having some uh, disagreements within the band while making the Kiss Me's the Fan of the Park Park movie, which, of course, would be released later in the fall, and that's going to be a future episode. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. But apparently, that's not exactly accurate. Mm. Because as we've talked about in a previous episode, on a contract renegotiation, there was a provision made for four solo albums. Mm -hmm. So... This was going to happen. And now maybe in the timeline, maybe it was just like, okay, well, now's the time. Right. But I sort of don't, I think this was probably plotted to a much more kind of calculated degree than, oh, let's go make solo albums. I don't think that they could have just flippantly gone and planned to do, you know, Oh, we'll just go. We're going to. Oh, we'll tell Casablanca they're just going to have to wait another two years on another studio album while we go do this. I think they knew this was coming. Um, however, um, I don't think the label had considered that they would be done simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, it's estimated that each record cost over a million dollars each to produce and promote. Mm hmm. So that would have rather than, you know, a million, million and a half dollar budget for a single unified Kiss album. Now they're having to do four albums simultaneously mm-hmm. um, and plan to ship them as such. And, you know, Casablanca was initially against this idea. But Neil Bogart being Neil Bogart, what's he love to do? 
gamble, take chances. Gamble big. <laughs> gamble. And he got on board. Once he was on board, he was on board 100%. And, of course, famously would ship a million copies of each of each one, which ended up becoming a huge fissure in mm-hmm. the in the uh, demise of Casablanca. It was it was probably the root cause. I think the record sold uh, collectively what a kiss re- a single kiss record would. It, yeah, if all four had been put together, it would have been a successful record. But um, I mean, they they were marginally successful, but not like a single kiss record would have been at this moment. This is a bad timing thing, and of course, we have hindsight to say that, right? But you know, in hindsight, you look at it and go, "Boy, this was just poor timing." Mm-hmm. It's a, it's it's a and now this is a visionary idea, and I think this is Bill Coin's idea to do all four on the same day, unify them with with you know matching kind of covers well also let me ask this so when you said it was kind of a bad timing thing you know i kind of just immediately agreed but it, but also it also feels like the perfect time because we we were also just talking about they are just they at are, the absolute right. peak and that's, high and that's what yeah that's fair to say because it seems like they're right at the point where it seems like well of course this is going to be great you know mm-hmm. because yeah. they're they're we this is where we've been working towards you know so what could possibly go wrong at what this could point? possibly go wrong we're too this big is, to fail this, we're, yeah too yep yep and we're we're gonna see a lot of failure on some <laughs> spectacular <laughs> levels over the, the the coming couple of years here. But at the time, it doesn't necessarily feel like failure. It looks like it's huge, and it's mm-hmm. it's a it, it really is. It's a it is a visionary idea. It's a clever idea. They just overreached by trying to do you know pushing a million of each one. They just yes. they just were like, of course each one's gonna sell a million. Of course they will. Mm-hmm. Well, none of them did. No, but. Um, so, um, you know, trying to find some information on some of these for me has proved difficult. Maybe you've guys had a little more success, but I, I, coming, we're going to start with Peter Chris's album. Like I said, we're doing these kind of um, alphabetically. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with Peter's. And um, Well, one other thing I want to actually touch on before we go into individual records is um, one other thing that kind of unifies all four is the artwork. And that has to be some of my favorite favorite oh, artwork yeah. done i love the those, four those covers are some, those are some you know that's it they've become iconic yeah mm-hmm. they've used that on so much stuff to oh, this yes. day mm-hmm. and the colors for each individual member they established the colors and you know that became synonymous that, with yeah, them until for, forever to, to, to this day you know those four quote-unquote characters mm-hmm um, I mean, even on the Kiss Cruise, when they played their Sail Away show, each member had a little touch of that color, in either their, in their instruments wearing, yeah. or what they were wearing. And so uh, that was a that was a genius move. I think that's a Dennis Wallach idea. Um, I, I can't say that definitive, definitively, but I'm fairly certain that's accurate. He, you know, he was actively involved in all of these album covers. Yeah, um, uh, Eraldo. Uh, E R A L D O Caragati. Yes, he's the guy that did all, all four covers, and um, I'll wind up posting it alongside these episodes, kind of either on our Instagram or wherever. Uh, but there are alternate versions of those covers he finally released a handful of years ago. Oh, I, I don't believe I've seen that. And I haven't either. They're kind of reminiscent of the rock and roll over vibes, like it had a little bit more pop art right. vibe to it, and they say like exact same poses. Uh-huh. 
everything, but it had a bit more like more flat, stylized. Yeah, flatter colors, right. a bit more stylized, a little bit more comic booky. Right. And they went, no, let's go more realistic yeah. with it. And then he went like hardcore realistic. And the only other album cover that I'm aware of that he did is an interesting side note was uh, Rush's Fly by Night album. Okay, okay, and, with the uh, with, with the, the owl, owl on it, he painted that. Huh. And as far as I know, those are the only covers he's done. I, I'm sure somebody somewhere else is going. No, he actually did this too. I'm not aware of it, but <laughs> we, I mean, did, it we, did, we didn't go into the artwork minutia on this. Yeah. We went into the more music and kiss stuff. Yeah. But uh, so with Peter, um, he's going to, uh, you know, he's putting together, I guess, what he wants to do and how. And his first choice for a producer is Jimmy Iovine, who we talked about in the previous episode, who produced the track Strutter 78. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, uh, Jim, you mean. Ivine is the Springsteen uh, guy. It's like Jimmy is some that it, it rhymes with Ivine, but it's, no, it's Jimmy, Jimmy Ivine. Not not the Jimmy, not You're the thinking, Jimmy Ivine. I don't know. Yeah, look so it up. The, the Jimmy Ivine I'm thinking of uh, did Tom Petty's "Damn the Torpedoes." It might and, be. Uh, yeah, that should be him. Huh, yeah, let me same, take a look at that cat. then. And he produced see. the Strutter '78. Ivine Strutter '78. That'd be that'd be wild, wouldn't it? See seventy eight. <laughs> Look at that. Even that, he's you're still not believing. Do, you're supposed to do your homework. Yeah, but, but even that, he's like still doubting you. He's like, wouldn't that be wild? He's like strike, still saying strike you're one, wrong. Strike one down for professionalism on this podcast, boy. We've already gone into the tank straight out of the shoot. <laughs> well, we are talking so, about Peter. Anyway, record. it's kind of almost moot because for whatever reason, he didn't. He he declines. Right. And uh, evidently, they also pr- approached. This would have been interesting. Giorgio Moroder. And who is he uh, associated with? He had been with? doing, uh, he became the the disco guy. Jimmy Ironer was the Strutter 78 guy. Ironer, was yeah. it? Okay, well then there you go. You know what? I've, it's I, close. I, I, it was me who messed up on that. <laughs> so. His cockiness paid off. <laughs> I've done deep dives on Jimmy Iovine's work. All right, All right okay. Well, there you go. So well, apparently Jimmy Iovine was approached is what I've got. So anyway. Giorgio Moroder was approached, and he turned it down. He did, of course, all, like I said, the classic disco stuff. I think he did uh, Donna Summer. Okay. Uh, so he's kind of I in it. might be wrong on that. You know what? I, I'm just not up on my disco. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I didn't care to f- no. go and research it. The thing I remember most of Giorgio Moroder was he did the soundtrack to the movie Midnight Express. Okay. And that music was used by a wrestling tag team in the 80s called the Midnight Express. There you go. And that's as far as my Moroder goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm not exactly sure how he came to settle for uh, Vinnie Poncia. Or is it Poncia? I, I, I think it's Poncia. Poncia. I've always said Poncia. And his background was, uh, he did a lot of work with Ringo Starr on mm-hmm. Ringo solos. And he had also did some songwriting and production for stuff like, uh, he did Leo Sayers' You Make Me Feel Like Dancing, which was a big uh, hit. Oh, okay. The previous year. And... Uh, so a lot of uh, credentials in the '70s pop world. Yeah, and he and he also had Linda um, Carter's album. Yeah, Linda Carter. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but he also had a uh, good rapport, I guess, with all the top session cats in New York, which was going to be important to put this album together. And that's something that we should note straight out too: is look at the names that are on this album, the Tons Peter Chris solo albums of names, big A list. Cats like Steve Lukather for one. Steve Lukather and uh, he's got um, 
Alan Schwartzberg, who played uh, with Mountain, Alice Cooper, he played uh, Peter Gabriel's stuff. And I guess that would have been like a Bob Ezrin connection to a certain degree, having played with Cooper and Peter Gabriel, both Bob Ezrin produced records. He played the, like the song Salisbury Hill. No doubt. Um, Let's see. Neil, got, Neil uh, Jason. Neil Jason, who worked with, again. Everybody. Yeah, John Lennon, Hall & Oates. I think he plays bass on Gene's record, too. Yeah, some of these guys spill over onto the onto the Gene Simmons album. Um, Elliot Randall, who was the guitar player in Steely Dan, who did the 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 famous solo on reeling in the ears because there's a lot of uh there's a couple of tracks on the peter record that kind of give me a stevie uh steely dan vibe um the background vocals are uh uh farragher brothers who were like kind of in demand backing vocal guys did a lot of stuff one of those guys went on to form the band cracker that was popular in the 90s okay um and Art Munson plays guitar. He played with Chris Christopherson, John Lennon. He was also in the movie, interestingly enough, he was the guitar player in a band in a movie called Phantom of the Paradise. And the in the the band, and I'm assuming he's on screen in, as well, They there's one part where the band uh, looks very Kiss-like. And I'm not sure. This movie was made in 74. It's an early Brian De Palma film. And they have black and white makeup. Very, not dissimilar from Kiss, but not like kiss if that right. makes sense but it's black and white More kabuki and and it's you know they're doing this kind of parody of shock rock or whatever it's a it's a great movie and and the scene is really interesting uh just also just for the fact that you know i can't see that they weren't aware of kiss when they made it but then again you know like for instance like the warriors that came out in 1980 the right the, the walter hill movie they had a base a gang of baseball guys that had makeup and that was directly inspired from kiss yeah so you know i whether or not this was or not i don't know but i think it's interesting now here he is actually working with a member of kiss Mm -hmm. um and peter plays drums on just about all the tracks except for let's see easy thing and rock me baby and i can't stop the rain (laughs) yeah yeah, I think mainly because uh, I think just those don't even have drums. Yeah. It's like very little. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that's where I guess the Alan Schwartzberg came in and did stuff. Yeah, Peter plays a lot on this, more than I realized initially. I thought that most of it he had, they had used someone else. But I know that... See, Vinny- I thought, what, where did we think that? Because I went into this thinking that, too, where he didn't play a lot of drums on this record. Me neither. I'm not sure. And it but- sounds more straightforward and tighter than he normally does with Kiss, you yeah. know? Well, yeah, and it's interesting because that wasn't the point of uh, fo- that wasn't the focal point for Vinnie Poncia when it came to working on this. He was really more interested in Peter as a vocalist, mm-hmm. and you know, I think you know, well, we can talk about this when we summarize. But yes. yeah, I think he he did a really good job because you know, there's some there's some really good vocal parts on this. I mean, you know, Peter was no slouch. Um, no, and as we kind of get into the record. I'll say this, in addition to not realizing Peter played almost all the drums on here when I thought it was the opposite, where he only played on a couple songs, re-listening to this for this show, I've actually grown to appreciate it and like it a little bit more than I did starting out. And I'm starting to think, 
I like Vinnie Ponce as a producer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because there's certain little things that were on this record that would later show up in Dynasty and Unmasked. Oh, yeah. That make those albums fun for me. Right. So I'm, I'm starting to think I just kind of like him as a producer. Well, which is an odd thing. Do you have an example in your head that you might uh, Yeah, so like, uh, You Matter to Me. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got this cool little key part. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like almost kind of, yeah, that's almost kind of hidden in the mix, but it still, it pops out, you know, during certain moments. You'll get that on like Unmasked, you know, during a guitar riff, the, there'll be a keyboard kind of, you know, giving it a little bit extra meat and shit yeah. like that. So that's, those are those little moments that I think I like. Well, let's 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 dive into this and just kind of take it track by track. Yeah, because you know this album is the most unkiss like of the four. Very much so. But then again, they're solo albums. Yep. It's supposed to be an expression of the individual. So this is showing more. I think uh, Peter's kind of influences influences and his, maybe you know obviously his preferences because his future solo albums after kiss are going to sound very similar to this one uh, but anyway let's let's start in with the uh, first you know side one first song i'm gonna love you uh which makes a statement right out of the shoot that this is not rehashed or leftover kiss music yep it's rehashed uh lips music actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> for the most well, part <laughs> you know yeah um I've never gone back to listen to that stuff. I know. I think it's available on online, bootlegged. I think uh, this one and uh, "Don't You Let Me Down," uh, "Sugar," and uh, "Hooked on Rock and Roll," and "Talk," and uh, yeah, Tossing those and turning. Uh, that's a Bobby. Oh yeah, that's a yeah. cover. Yeah, but yeah, those four were uh, lips uh, leftovers. Well, what's your take on this? Just right out of the shoot, this first song. I like this one. It's, this one, this one's one of the more tolerable ones. I wouldn't say it's one of the better ones, it's but fine. It, it kicks off the album in a fine way. See, I, th- I you know, it's it's fairly benign R and B. Yes. Mm-hmm. But Nothing. it's not terrible, but it doesn't feel like a strong lead track to start an album with. It's sort of, you know, I think that chorus is just rain yeah. come shine. Yeah, that's that's fine. I, it, like I said, I don't think it's a bad song, but I, as far as like a hook on, you know, you you got your first song, first track, you you want to sit your hook in first, and it's like it it doesn't seem that strong of a. A lead track for me personally i'd but, agree with that well um, i mean we may be getting ahead of ourselves but i mean is there a good lead track on this record i uh yeah i would think i mean tossing you know, and turning maybe or, or that's the kind of sugar papa likes yeah okay okay i could see those i could see those but you know or even now let's go to the second track this one might you be matter my, to me you this, matter to me and this one might be my favorite one on the album quite frankly it's you know it's like uh i've written in my notes why is the yacht rock fan not picked up on this yet <laughs> seriously because this is right into that wheelhouse this, this is, is like Steely this is Dan a great is lost yacht rock record <laughs> it really is <laughs> you know if you're into that kind of like that that kind of you know totally pedestrian inoffensive you know the kind of stuff that you you know the soccer mom of the late '70s would have listened to. I'm just picturing Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher going to Studio 54 and just doing blow I, in the back I, room I'm while feel, this is in the background. I was gonna say I'm feeling attacked for saying that I like this record a little no, bit now. No, I mean I'm just saying I'm not. It's you know it's just it, it, that exists. You know there was there is a, a a fan base that that that's a you know 
and there's a music to cater to it. Yeah, this I, I is get that it. music. I mm-hmm. get it. And it really, I mean, to me, this isn't a half step out of any of that. What I mean, look, uh, a year later, Christopher Cross would pick up this thread and have giant hits and win Grammys. Yeah, and it's exactly the same kind of music. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's a Christopher Cross fan that would be like, "Well, he's infinitely more talented than you know." And, and that, yeah, that may be true, but to me, this is that same kind of that same style of music. Yeah, um, I just love that synth line too. It's very urban sounding for that era. You know, that synth is not you know. It just sounds like I just picture New York City at night. Yes, exactly. And that's exactly the vibe they're going for, and they're getting it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing. And I think this is really, you know, this shows that this whole album is judged wrongly. It's judged not. It's judged on a on, on a wrong criteria it's because judged on a kiss it's a kiss. Album. Yeah, it's judged against kiss, or it's judged against rock and roll. And this isn't really a rock and roll album. It's an urban R and B you know pop album mm-hmm. yep. though safe he's still trying something very different outside yeah, of kiss yeah it's and, and this is really you know i mean it's kind of a to me this is you know just off of this one song with the synth and everything in it shows that peter's taken a lot more chances with his style than any of the other guys will I don't know. Gene took a lot Gene of chances. Gene took some with chances, his. Yeah. but not so much. We'll get to that, and we'll we'll explain those differences mm-hmm. when we get to his episode. But I mean, this but is. You've added I, me, this I is, like this one a lot too. This one would be in my top three strongs yeah. on the record. Well, tossing and turning comes up next. I, I like this one. I think I, it's fun. I like this one only because I heard them play it on the Dynasty tour. It's right. on one of those on Kissology those, yeah, DVDs. Yeah. They bumped it up a few steps, made it a little faster, and Kiss playing it sounded cool because, like in those little breaks, Ace would do like a little like a little shit like that. Does his little Ace tricks on it? I don't think I've ever liked this. Really? And you know the show I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the Largo '79. Yeah, I I just I don't I just don't care for the i think i just don't care for the song anyway even the original right you know i think it's okay but you know it's it's not that it's bad just for some reason it just doesn't i don't know it just doesn't it doesn't really have a a a strong kick i think he could have picked something if he's going to do a cover like that i i could see him you know if he's going to do you know do a wilson pickett go there you yeah. know, you give that something you, you really could give justice to, um, or even uh, Oda Shredding song, you know, I, could, I, I mean, could hear could that. Y'all, think about it. Could y'all hear Peter doing a cover of I've been loving you too long? I don't know that one at the top of my head. Oh man. We, I've I been know. loving you too long. Too, don't want to stop now. Fuck man. I can hear him just killing that. But instead we get tossing and turning. And I think this was the single off this record. It was actually, they did two singles off this record. It's the only one that got two singles, but actually no, don't let me down and you matter to me. Yeah. Okay. Those well, were the then, two. Don't you let me down the next song. Mm-hmm. I feel like that one would be a good country song. You know what? I have that in my notes too, that a lot of these songs feel like if you just turn the notch a little bit, they would be more of an, you know, this would have been, you could have made an urban cowboy record out of mm-hmm. this, you know, but this is before urban cowboy and who knows, had it been post urban cowboy, he may have gone there. Yeah. <laughs> but these songs do have, some of these songs feel like they could have been country songs. Yeah. I, because, I see that. Because this record is such of the times, I mean, it makes you think about what if uh kiss was a present day thing and if uh this uh peter chris album was a present day 
present day thing? Would he have gone bro country or something like that? <laughs> I, you know, it just. It's, well, I mean, it, you Peter think that did have be... a little bit of that Western vibe to his look in the eighties when well, he had grew out his like handlebar mustache and shit, and he almost had like that goatee. And you think, <laughs> well, New York City country music, wait, huh? But mm. then again, one of the biggest country acts of the late seventies was Eddie Rabbit, straight out of Brooklyn. Yep. There you go. Uh, don't but, uh, you, but yeah, don't don't you let me down. I, one of, one of the weaker songs, but uh, Peter a couple of years ago did like two farewell shows, and uh, he got up on stage and sang this one, you know and, what? and kind of did like the Beth treatment where he just got in the middle of the stage and sang it, and it was actually nice, especially like with his you know more mature voice giving it a shot and having the whole audience singing. Won't you right. give up? Hey, this I is my, this might be my favorite song on the album. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. All right. Except for the stupid line about brighten up all my oats. What? what wait, what? That's the thing, problem with this album. There's just stupid lines There's all over some the place. Stupid lines, you know? <laughs> and we're going to blame Stan Painridge for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got to stand. Sure you know, we Peter we the love. We'll, we'll give Peter all the love and, and be like, <laughs> oh, I got some Stan. Even though he had tons of training so wheels. Peter, and Peter would be like, yeah, fuck Stan, man. <laughs> fucking Stan wrote brighten up all my oats. I was like, Dude, that's a fucking stupid line. <laughs> Stan's probably going, that was the one line that Peter contributed. <laughs> no, I mean it's just it just is it's a it's an awkward coupling there. It was like reaching for a a line, you know, you brought my heart up to my throat, which is a good line. Mm-hmm. And then it just to brighten up all my it's just like no it was never, and it worked for me even when I was a little kid and I just was like that's such a weird thing to say I didn't get it uh, but I, I I do like the song I, I really do I think it's uh, it you know it shows more of a maturity in a weird way than than uh, even some of the songs on this album like the next one that's the kind of sugar papa likes and not because and I hate to use the word maturity but you know, to me, this album, unlike anything Kiss does, isn't teenage. It's mm-hmm. it's more older, and it's not a it's not a put down of teenage music because I think that's very important and, and necessary, especially and really part of what makes Kiss music so great. But this is again, you can't judge it to Kiss music. This is something else. He's mm-hmm. making something but. that's very much a reflection of who he is and what he's into and. And like not, said, I'll, I'll throw it, this it's kiss comparison at it, though. Do you think Don't You Let Me Down would have worked as a Beth replacement? No, not on this album. I, I, we'll get to that. Okay. I, I think there was a definite effort to make a Beth replacement that's on this. Okay. We'll, we'll get here in a minute. But let's go to That's the Kind of Sugar Papa Likes. This winds up side one. Yeah. Um, and this is a muted kind of take on a more direct rock and roll song. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, it's like it was almost rock and roll. And it could mm-hmm. have been if you if you if you just kind of let you know put put a little more spit and vinegar on it. It could have been a more balls out rocker. Mm-hmm. It kind of still has that urban uh, New York kind of vibe yeah, to it. Yeah, and, he, and, he's, and he's, so it's almost like you're riding with one foot on the brake. And but I still think this would have been a stronger opening song. I think this so. is in my top three. You know, and it would have it would have set off the vibe a little bit more. But you know, if you're going for that New York vibe, and like I think this whole album has a that New York quote unquote vibe. Oh yeah. The other good opener to establish that would have been if they just flip flopped the first two songs and had uh, "You Matter to Me" as the first song. That would have been a real definitive. You know, I can see that too. Thing, but anyway, that's the kind of sugar Papa likes. That's a 
Act. It's probably the most rocking song on the record, it's wouldn't pretty, you say? It's pretty solid. Uh, I'd say there's little. maybe one more rocking one that's on side B. Well, let's flip it over. Well, well, well not even get but, there yet, but no, yeah. that's the kind of sugar pop life. I I actually really like that one, and I think the reason I do is I like the backup singers on it. Like, the drive me crazy. See, I think right. those are the highlights of the record, of those backup singers. Mm-hmm, the, yeah. the backup singers and just the kind of doo-wop-y. It almost has a doo-wop vibe on this. Yeah. It's like rock doo-wop. Right. Huh, that, there's a genre for you. Rock doo-wop. Say that five times fast. <laughs> but uh, I, that that's one of the reasons I like that. And, and it's got like a cool little guitar riff in it, just in those little breaks. Like, ding, 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 I was, I was messing around with that uh, today, just kind of getting well, in between. That's uh, what I'm saying. If you had pulled those out a little more pronounced, mm-hmm. you know, with a hard like give edge, that a kiss. Yeah, it could have it could have been a more rocking tune. Um, but let's see. Let's flip it over. Yep. And we start with now. You've got easy thing. The song is trash. Which very forgettable for me. It's a very stripped down, and it's very direct, and it's clearly seems to be designed here for. The a showcase, <laughs> a showcase. Peter's vocal. Yeah. Now check out the the lyrics to this. Love, love is so hard. Love is so hard to find. When love is such an easy thing, such an easy thing, such an easy thing. He says it three times. <laughs> well, he's <laughs> making a point. To, to what? <laughs> to lose. No, it's to loo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Get it right, goddammit. Right. And then it's words. But wait, wait. Now let's be fair. Speaking from an adult perspective, he ain't wrong. I mean he's not wrong, but these are truthful lyrics. That's such lazy songwriting to me. Uh, and Stan Pendridge is on this fucking uh credit too. Yeah, but this is another one that you can hear it being love, love is so hard <laughs> with a pedal steel and it's a country song. <sighs> but the way they do it, it's got that again, it's got it's turned into a soul song. Yeah. And that I think that the the thing you you gotta realize while looking at something like that is to see that this song works on different levels depending on what a, approach you take to it. And I think that that makes this a success i think it's uh it's um uh, you know you might look at it as lazy but i don't think the simple i think it's intentionally simple to be simple not simplistic but simple right it's a very plaintive kind of emotion song and again it's built around peter's vocal and it's more of a soul soulful vocal you know we're joking about the lou but and i know, get that too he's going there for for that reason and i think that it you know I think it it it's it's important to state that it's underrated. His vo- his voice, his yeah. vocals are underrated, and I think as such, they maybe they were a little bit underdeveloped as well. I think if he I had had so. more encouragement within the band, and somebody stopped, and you know, because somebody somewhere made a you know, Paul made a conscious decision, obviously, to take some sort of vocal lessons. Yeah. Uh, you know especially in the 80s and and you think if why didn't someone go hey pete man you're right on point man if you just had somebody to help pull that out a little bit more you know i mean why not you're in fucking kiss it's not like it's gonna you know i mean this is only gonna help you even speaking from a personal experience we've uh cap and i finally worked with a different producer with our last record and the guy did that with me he was like hey you're like on it like almost he's like try this this and this and all of a sudden it was like it opens it up opened up a whole new world so yeah they could have easily done that with peter and he may have that we don't know but i mean you know as it is the vocals on this record are really what sells it for me yeah just i wish this song was a little bit more memorable i think all these songs could have been a 
little more memorable. I don't think the material here is worthy of the voice that is delivering it. No. Peter is a great fucking singer. I Regardless mean, of know, what the other members whatever want to say. The other one, yeah, whatever they want to say. And, you know, they talk and about like, it being tone deaf and all this stuff. And I'm like, no. Definitely not tone deaf. He's got, his, I mean, he's pulling it out here. And a lot of this probably also, you have to credit the producer for working with them and getting these performances. And maybe and that's other what, producers just got fed up too quick. Maybe, you know. But, you know, here they're working in, in Simpicato and you've got something really special happening here. And, and I think... The, I this I think song these songs is, lend, a, is a proof to that end. And I think these kind of songs lend to Peter's vocal better. Well, yeah. Or like maybe like if you even if we want to pull something like a black diamond. Well, he feels more inspired here, I think. Mm-hmm. But even like and a black diamond, they have to he really has to push his vocal. Right. Say the fire but, tone. but that's great too, though. I mean he oh, can it, do it. It is, but if they wanted him to do if they were wanting him to do higher range stuff like Paul, maybe that's just not his forte. Well, and then, and then more, they hit on this. Yeah. And it's like, well, this is his bread and butter. He's the got more, their more raspy, sandpapery soul kind of voice. Exactly. And, and it, in this play, this is more to his wheelhouse. But I think, you know, you look at, again, going back to a song like Baby Driver or Black Diamond. I mean, he could belt it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he's got a great, dirty rock and roll voice. Um, but, but, you know, words. And, and Words well, are so hard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> words are so hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's keep it going here rock me baby uh what's your take on this uh fun jam uh but again forgettable but it's it's fun though yeah there's nothing special about it really but it's a sh- at, uh, one thing that kind of stands out it's uh, one of the two songs where uh sean delaney gets a writing credit on it yes ah we'll see that makes sense it's kind of to me this is filler but yeah. it's given equal treatment because i mean I mean, God damn it! If they ain't trying, they're trying to make put this over as strongly as anything else, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's does it's it's not delivered like filler material, no, at all. And that's why I said it's still but, fun. But I think the swing is forced. Yeah, and, I can and see so it. it feels a little false to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, they're they're trying for that, and you can't you can't some of this stuff you can't really try for you've got to let it happen organically so this doesn't feel organic to me it just feels kind of forced yeah, See, it's, to me it still feels organic mm. um just maybe it, it still feels organic but forced if that makes sense mm-hmm. like it's it's in their dna but they're having to really pull it yeah, out but i think I, the, like a song like this might even work better with with kiss mm-hmm. as a guitar rock song yep and had more a little Same more thing swagger. Like Sugar Papa likes yeah, even if it had just a little more swagger because like none of these guys are you know all these cats they've got playing on this stuff are are not really full on full bore you know blood and guts rock and rollers right um, just full on seventies studio this guys is, these are mostly studio guys and they're you know and and of course obviously the, the from the production standpoint I mean they they've got their eye on the prize which is you know, hit singles. Yeah. Something's going to have to, you know, all these, you know, in their mind, I'm sure as they're going are, are potential hit singles. All these ballads, all you these know. R&B jams. And to that end, the next song, Kiss the Girl Goodbye, this is your effort to recapture the lightning of Beth. And to me, it's the worst song on the record. Well, to me, again, where are the Yacht Rock fans? Because yeah. this just seems like, I like know, it more than I like Easy Thing, though. Really? Not very much, well, I but... mean, you know, 
I think it's a it, again it's it's the same kind of idea though that it's a mm-hmm. simple song, not simplistic, but just something that's very plaintive and simple and direct. Yeah, and again, it's built less around the idea I think of the song than than the vocal that's carrying it. This you know again this is this is Peter's vocal album. I mean, yeah. and and I think that was Vinnie Poncia's uh, main objective here is to get these vocals. And um, kiss the girl goodbye. I've got to fly. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, you know, Christopher Cross. You know, uh, true sailing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I said, just to me, le- least favorite on the record, most forgettable. I think it's a sweet song. I don't. I've never disliked this song. I, th- I mean, it's not like it. You know, where I'm like, oh fuck yeah, kiss the girl goodbye. You know. <laughs> but but I always thought you know and. But this brings up a point, and we'll stop here for a second and just say, you know, I can remember these records being new records, mm-hmm. and I remember getting them when they were still, if they may not have been brand new, but they were relatively new within like the few years, yeah, within, well, within a year, yeah, and and so I've, I, you know, and I was like five or six years old, six seven years old actually, I guess, and I've grown up with this, I've, yeah, and it's almost like I've never not known it, and mm-hmm. so I don't know if I like this album or not, or if I just like it because it's always been a part of my life. Does that, that makes, make sense? It like, absolutely makes I sense. I don't have a good objectivity to go back and listen to this and, and without without it dredging up some sense of nostalgia for me. Mm-hmm. And this song in particular, you know, when you're a little kid and you're six, seven, eight years old, you know, you're not that far removed from Disney music, you know, yeah. as being something that you would listen to. Right. Yeah. And this isn't Disney music, but it does have that sort of you same mean you get sentimental, syrupy, schmaltzy. This whole album is like that, which is the Yacht Rock thing. Yeah. You know. And correct me if I'm wrong, but on the back of this record, I think uh, for Kiss, they actually put the Kiss logo Oh, for the, Kiss the Girl. Yeah, uh-huh. I, and I think it does it on the label, too, on yeah. the actual record. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but then it, then Just it, random Kiss nerd shit. <laughs> so then they shift gears again, and they go into Hooked on Rock and Roll. My other top three. I really like this track. This is where we get the Steve Lukather jam. One of them. You know, I... I uh, I, it, I've got it written down as... Uh, feels sort of like castrated Rolling Stones. I mean, I can see that, but I mean, I'm judging it within the merits of this record. Right. And like within this again, record, this like, is a fucking good song. Thompson you know, and Turner kind of had that vibe too, where it's just like, it could be a Stones jam without the... I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Well, I mean, I, yeah. I think there's a lot of Peter stuff, and we'll, I think going forward, but when we get to a, Dynasty, we'll we'll talk more on that. But um even though like Luther's a great player, there's not a lot of cool guitar playing going on in this record. No, either. it's not. It's not any flash guitar playing. All, everything services the song yeah. exactly. Th- this as it record should. is a vibe record. Yeah, they capture it, vibes. Yeah, they're, they're not trying to write not, songs. Yeah, there's nothing on here that's going to compete with Ace Frehley, and that's not to say that Steve Lukather isn't on Ace Frehley's level or vice versa. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that a, a guitar player guy would be like Steve Lukather, Ace Frehley, <laughs> maybe, but that's not what he's going for. No, is my no. point. It's not even the intention here. It's, no, this is a vibe record, and that's why I mean when I feel when I say it feels kind of castrated because it's like they're not going for it here they could it has the potential to be a balls out rock and roll song he's singing it like it's a balls out rock and roll song but the music the the musicians aren't delivering it with their balls out so and it's honestly, very I think saccharine this- to me and i think that 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 hurts this song in particular so 
Honestly, I think this would have been a better final track. I think the next one kind of sells the whole this was a neutered record. I think if they ended on this. Well, well let me finish one last thing here and then we'll okay. go to that. Because I, I just want to note the uh, line about uh, for years, I could not decipher what the hell he was saying. Okay. I was vaccinated with a Victrola needle. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> because I didn't know what the fuck a Victrola was <laughs> until I got older. And then it's just like, oh, oh, you know, uh-huh. and it's something you miss when you're a little kid. You're like, I was, I was vaccinated. What? What's he saying? With a what, what kind of needle? and then it's like then there's also now when i get older and i listen i can't help but think is that some sort of veiled drug reference too (laughs) (laughs) which is really kind of like just raunchy you know for for especially on this album Mm -hmm. and really for kiss in general because they never really did anything overtly druggy say for what ace Ace does which we'll get into on the next episode but Mm -hmm. uh so, you know, then it goes into your song, I Can't Stop the Rain. Yeah, that, that might be my favorite ballad on the record. I think so. I think this is. I, yeah, I think it's my favorite ballad, but at the same time, I think it leaves it on too much of a low note. This I is, think if they'd swapped the two, well, it would have been I've better. I've got it written down here as dark. Yeah. And it's generally, I've got it generally regarded as the best track because from what I've look, gathered from, you know, talking to other fans and online and stuff a lot of people seem to like this song mm-hmm. i know people that also hate it but they just hate this whole album all the way through but i think this song is actually you know um it's 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 dark and so it's an gotta... emphatically adult song mm-hmm. and it feels more authentic than anything else on this album and i think it it's partly like, because peter's the oldest of the group also yeah and, that, and even good, good and point. even five years makes a difference oh yeah absolutely and i think that absolutely. was only the age differences i think he was only five years older or six years older now i don't know that this you know is inspired by anything truthful or not but just the delivery of it it feels so much more authentic than say hooked on rock and roll does yeah okay like hooked on rock or, or, or certainly rock me baby which felt yeah very like mechanical you know but this feels like it's from the heart and it's it's got some darkness to it and then of course he drops the big swear the word GD. At the, end, the big heavy gd at the end takes which, a witch to curse the goddamn sky and i'm like can kiss even use swear words <laughs> are they allowed to do that <laughs> you know they're selling to eight-year-olds <laughs> and peter doesn't give a fuck <laughs> no, he doesn't rock. give a, a goddamn, God <laughs> <laughs> and and but you know, and I remember when I was a little kid, I just thought that was the coolest shit in the world. Like they hear a little bit of edge, a yeah, little danger. It's like, it's like he's saying, "Oh my god!" He and you know that was like the queen mother of swear words where I come from because my right. parents, my mom was super religious. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and here he's throwing down like that's the worst one. Mm-hmm. That was worse than fuck. That was worse <laughs> than cunt. <laughs> there was nothing worse than god. God damn and <gasps> you know Peter. yeah well you know mom yeah you had to be careful when that one was playing. and this was like the most quote-unquote accessible record too. i know right yeah. so imagine like this is like the record you finally play around your parents and they're yeah. like oh this kiss this is really so sweet. bad god damn oh my god it's the worst one <laughs> but overall this record is judged unfairly as a as a rock album and it is most clearly not a rock album no and I'm going to echo that because uh, before we started doing this show, 
I had only done cursory like skims of this record just as kind of like boredom or wanting to re-listen and rehash and never really gave it much outside of Hooked on Rock and Roll and you know You Matter to Me and Tossing and Turning those were the only ones I really have revisited but going back and listening to it for this record or for this show rather I actually did wind up listening to it in that mind frame that you're speaking of. I wasn't judging it based on other Kiss records. I wasn't judging it on rock records. I took it strictly as what the song was. And I enjoyed it a lot more from that. So I do agree that it does get misjudged and placed in the wrong camps in it's, order to be properly it's far closer to toto than it is kiss exactly right. and it's i've never been a big toto to, fan you know, so yeah <laughs> i mean well, let's, saying, let's toto, let the current everything that's <laughs> that yacht rock stuff though the toto and the hollow notes and the whatever you know that kind of you know but hollow notes would that's you know I've, I've i've used that comparison before i'm like this isn't a half step out of hollow notes well it kind of is it's new york whereas hollow notes was very philadelphia right you know but it's, uh, it's that r&b thing is what i mean by that um but this really showcases Peter as a worthy and strong vocalist. And he's got, you know, I think a lot of these tracks and, and the ones where, you know, we were joking about Easy Thing. I think, you know, Easy Thing and Kiss the Girl Goodbye really showcase how good of a vocalist he was. Yeah. He was a great balladeer. And, you know, I think he was a better balladeer than anyone else in Kiss. And, and, and I think... You know, he just put a lot more heart and it's more soulful and it feels more emotive than like what Paul Stanley would do, um, which we'll talk about when we get to Paul Stanley's album. And it's not a knock on Paul. It's just a different style. It's a different approach and it's a different feeling. And I think, you know, Peter was far more versatile than he's ever given credit for. He's a great vocalist. He was a great rock and roll vocalist. He's a great balladeer. He could do all these things. Had he had more, I think, encouragement and more development, you know, there's no telling, you know. And and it, it, I, think they've, I think they just feared that. I think they knew they had this secret weapon, and it was really fucking powerful, and they knew best just to leave it be because it's more than we can contain it's, such a, it's also such opinion. a volatile yeah well yeah too. i think i think as a person he was very volatile mm-hmm. too and i can see that being a problem but i mean you know we weren't there we didn't have to deal with it i'm just dealing with this on a musical level yeah uh just as wind up i want to do all of these the same way i'm going to note that the peak chart position for this was that i found was 43 and it came it peaked about six weeks after the release of the album I don't know what y'all have. And no, that, it's the that, that only right. it's the only record that had two singles and you mm-hmm. said it was you matter to me. Yep. I and, thought it was uh, tossing and turning, so I was wrong. Yeah, uh, don't you let me down. And uh, don't you let and, me down. Yeah. Which one was first? Do you don't know? you let me down. Okay. See, I'm surprised that didn't do better as a as a single. Do you think Tossin' and Turner would have been a better single? Do you think that would have been more successful? Because I'm I'm judging it by the also the era that it was released in. Honestly, for singles, I think either Tossin' or Turnin' or That's the Kind of Sugar Papa Likes. Yeah. Honestly, I could have seen that song show up on the radio. Like, it has a good intro, like the ba ba da 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 I don't think that the radio would have picked up on that. I think, really? I, you know, honestly, I think... I mean, the you, intro you know kind of reminded me of, like, so, uh, um, that Nick Lowe song, um... Uh, oh, um, so it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Their intro kind of reminds me of that yeah. kind of build up yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But so it goes is more of a power pop song. It is, but you know, but then that, this that leads that, into a little bit yeah. more of that snap. Yeah. And I can see that it's more danceable. Mm, it's danceable, but and I, that's as, what was getting played on the radio. Singles as singles, I think they would have had more 
probably more success if they had done Kiss the Girl Goodbye and pushed it as the next Beth. Yeah, you know? I can see that. Because it felt like that's what they were trying to do. And possibly even I Can't Stop the Rain, which might have opened them up to another. Yeah. You know, Beth opened them up to a whole other audience. And, you know, this might I don't think Paul was going to let that. that happen, though. Well, I mean, I don't think they he could have stopped it. It wouldn't have been his decision at that point. I don't think. Yeah, they had yeah, that you're right. In that at that, that would have been, you know. But I don't know who made the decisions on what got released the singles. But it's interesting. But uh, that's Peter Chris. And we're going to try to uh, wind this up so we can keep these mini episodes and not uh, flog these uh, <laughs> all out. Um, so that's episode A of the solo albums, and uh, hopefully you guys will stay with us. We're going to charge into episode b which will be the uh the great ace fraley solo album arguably the best of the four and we'll uh dip dive on that on the very next episode which is uh available right now right away yep so we'll see you over there thank you for listening please insert another coin by supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash something good network.